When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. Hill hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the PlayLikeAJet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are doing our off-season reviews, so I wanted to bring back a return guest. He's actually been on every year we've done this. To give his unique perspective, weekend editor over at HotAir.com, Mr. Jazz Shaw. Jazz, thanks for coming back on the show, man. My pleasure, Scott. I wish uh, we had better news to share about the Jets from last year, but hey, what are you going to do? That's true, but maybe there will be better news this year, and the biggest difference, we think, is the coaching staff, because Adam Gase is gone, Robert Sala is here now. What did you think about the gay Sarah overall? I know it was terrible, but I'm just saying, were you surprised at how badly it went? And then Robert Sala, what do you think of the hire there? I, I really think there were so many things wrong during the gay Sarah that you couldn't just pin them all on, on gays. Seriously. But uh, then again, if you're the person who's put in charge, you're supposed to deliver results. And if you don't, you're the one who, you know, who, your head's on the chopping block. So... Um, I thought Sala was an interesting choice. A lot of my complaints from the last two seasons have been uh, that I didn't feel like enough attention was being focused on the defense sometimes, you know, and maybe not some of the best selections there. Uh, Sala's a defense guy going all the way back to his college days, you know. So I, I think we're going to see somebody that is putting more emphasis on the defense, hopefully on special teams. 
things were kind of weak, but uh, it, it's not just the head coach. Is it going to help to maybe have the uh, the owner back in the same country? Well, I was going to ask you that later, what your thoughts are on Woody Johnson coming back. So we might as well just get right to that now since you brought it up. What do you think about the return of Woody Johnson? I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's not really Woody's fault any more than it's the coach's fault, except, you know, he's he's paying all the bills. But how much does he really make day-to-day decisions, you know? Uh, you know, game time decisions, things like that. Not so much, I don't think so. And he's always struck me as, you know, pretty nice guy. And he hasn't gotten the job done and got us back to the Super Bowl. But, you know, there's been some good seasons with him. And I'm hoping that uh, the upcoming one is going to be more normal. And maybe it will be a decent season, you know. So we'll know when we get through the rest of the changes to the lineup and stuff. But in general, yeah, welcome back, Woody. Good to see you. And I, I like quite a few of the selections that have been made uh, in the draft and people they picked up. So, yeah, I, I got a positive feeling about it just to start this off. In fairness to Woody Johnson, like you just said, I know that everybody loves to trash him. And believe me, there are plenty of reasons to do it. But the Jets did have quite a number of successful seasons under Woody Johnson the first part of his ownership tenure because he bought the team in 2000. So from 2000 to 2010, they actually were a fairly successful franchise. It was after that that they started to nosedive. And of course, a fair number of those seasons came under his brother, Christopher Johnson. So I'm not saying that Woody coming back is going to be great. I just don't know that it's going to make a difference one way or the other. Basically, what I'm saying is his return will sort of be a non-factor for the reason that you just said that I think he's probably learned that he needs to keep his nose out of the day-to-day business. That day-to-day business will be run by Joe Douglas. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of what happened this offseason, but Jazz, first, before we do that, overall, what do you think of the job Joe Douglas has done since taking over a couple of years ago? Well, again, you got to produce results. And some of the choices they made, I was supportive of initially. And, uh, you know, whoever's making those choices has to live and die by the results and i know you probably get tired of me hearing me say this but i I have to think about the team as like an organic thing where there's some oversights yeah do you remember that little stretch of time i'm was it just last season or am i remembering wrong it was the one before we went through a stretch of time when our kicking situation was so terrible place kicking situation that the team was actually being forced to go for fourth and long because they just had no confidence they could get a field goal, you know, if it was longer than an extra point. And I think that's been addressed, but it's like when it gets to that situation, somebody near the top is screwed up because they should have been riding shotgun on that. So yeah, there, there are mistakes made like every off season. I, I try to be hopeful, try to be as optimistic as possible and, you know, give them a chance to show what they can do. It's funny. You mentioned the kicking spot jazz, because I've pounded the table about that for several years that they need to fix it. And I was hoping they would do something in the draft, perhaps even take Jose Baragallas, the kicker from Miami. Instead, he ends up going somewhere else as an undrafted free agent. I believe he went to Tampa, so we'll see what happens here. They did get Chris Nagar, the undrafted rookie out of SMU, so maybe he turns out to be a hidden gem. Time will tell. But as far as the actual moves that were made by Joe Douglas, let's start with free agency, and we'll talk about Corey Davis 
We'll talk about Carl Lawson, but there were several other moves that were made too, some under the radar stuff, or some moves that weren't as flashy. Lamarcus Joyner, for example, Sheldon Rankins. So, what did you think overall about the free agency strategy and who they ended up landing? Yeah, I. There's nobody in there that jumped out to me like, "Wow, how'd you land that?" But there was also nobody that that looked to me so you know beat up or over the hill or injury prone. Because we have had some of those in years past. You know, it's like you you, you pick up a few people, and I, I'm not going to cast aspersions and name a name right now, but we, we did pick up some people who were trail horses and had a lot of experience, which is fantastic, but also people that spend large parts of the season, you know, on the injured reserve list. And when they come to your team and you dump a bunch of your money into it, and, you know, the second game out, they're back on the IR, you know, so you have to worry about that. So I wasn't too unsettled about it. Let's talk a little bit about the draft and the new quarterback, because I want to ask you about the old quarterback in a little bit and what you thought of the trade that sent him out of town. But first, Zach Wilson, did you like the move? Is that the quarterback that you would have taken? And as far as Elijah Vera Tucker, do you think the trade-up was good? Did you think the Jets gave up a little bit too much? The overall strategy, too, all offense, those first four picks, to surround Zach Wilson with the weapons and the protection that he's going to need. What do you think of everything? The Wilson pick, the Vera Tucker trade-up, the selections in the first few rounds? Well, you and I have discussed this in the past, and I guess it's just because I grew up watching football in the 60s and the 70s, and your team-building strategy, particularly when it comes to quarterbacks, wasn't the same back then. Maybe I'm just stuck in my ways. I have never been a fan of taking the rookie quarterback and giving him a huge pile of money and saying, you know, here you go. And you're starting and all of our hopes and dreams are relying on somebody who still hasn't had their first moment where they get out there and bang, they're down on their ass and welcome to the NFL kid. You know, how do they react to that? Sometimes they surprise you and they do great, but no matter how good you were in college, that's not the NFL, you know? And so I liked all the reports I saw about Wilson. Um, I was reading one uh, just this week about how he was one of the rookies that was in there doing extra time at practice all the time. You know, he's showing up early, staying late. Uh, One of the reviewers said they were mostly impressed with his arm strength, but also with how quickly he could read the field. Now, this is still just scrimmaging. Uh, how well that's going to work when he's up against a real team. Uh, we'll see. So it sounds like he's got a lot of promise, but yeah, I'm always concerned when you, you put in a rookie. I, I've always thought like if we could have just had a good season guy that's been to the playoffs several times and then bring in a rookie to like train under them, you know, and get a few seasons of, you know, if you're way ahead in the game, you put him in, they get a few plays and let them practice, learn the whole team, learn the whole offense. Um, Wilson has to show up basically just a little while ago and master everything from scratch and be ready to go, you know? So it's probably not even fair to him. I, I, I know that's a long winded way of saying it. It's like, again, hoping for the best. He seems like an impressive kid for a rookie, but my first choice would have been to see who was on the market. If there was somebody that actually had some playoff wins out of their belt. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback that left town, Sam Darnold. As you said before, your hopes were high for him when he got here. I think most of our hopes were high 
Unfortunately, it didn't work out. They traded him. He had a terrible year last year. What do you think here? Would they have been better off keeping him and building around him, just drafting as many quality players as they could and hoping that at 24 years old he could turn it around? Or do you agree with the decision to trade him and move in another direction? Well, considering the direction they moved in, I would not be here complaining if they had decided to keep him because he was getting the one thing we were just discussing that nobody has when they come out of college. He was getting real world welcome to the NFL experience. And yeah, he didn't look too sharp last season, but how much of that was Darnold and how much of it was there were so many games when he had a half a second before somebody either came through the line or came around the corner because we were doing so terrible with the corners. Um, and they were right on his butt. He was rushed all the time. Not every time, but a lot of games. He he spent a lot of time, you know, trying not to get smeared, you know. So if he had a little better offensive line and a little more time, then would he, had, would he have had a better season? He definitely had a good arm, you know. And there were times when he was on, he was, he was getting the ball well down the field. And, you know, so he had his impressive moments. So, yeah, if we'd have kept him and made a lot of these other moves in the offseason that you've already made reference to, I think we we do have some big improvements coming to both lines. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there is going to be more protection. So Wilson, I think, is going to benefit from that. But if we'd have kept Darnold, I, I don't find it unreasonable to suspect that he might have put up some significantly better numbers if he'd had better coverage and had maybe the team that's coming up this year instead of the one that he had for the last two years. Jazz, expand a little bit upon what you just said as far as the Lions and what you think there, and what are your reasonable expectations for the Jets in 2021? I never have reasonable expectations. (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, I I think he's going to have some good tools, including some new ones. Uh, Zach Wilson, will I mean. And uh, like Michael Carter um, in at running back, kind of exciting, I think. Uh, Jamison Crowder is, uh, I, I think, still going to be a valuable tool. And, and there are some some new guys on the on the line, you know. And so long as we have, it don't even have to be the biggest guys in the league. Just so long as we can cover the corners and not have people blowing through the gaps every single play. So Wilson will have enough time to do that reading he's supposed to be very good at, you know, and, and let the play develop and, and go with it. Um, and I'm excited. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. I, I do think that particularly if there's improvement on special teams, which we were not doing well on, we already discussed that. And there there's potential on offense, on defense, on special teams. And a lot of the guys they picked up who have been interviewed, I know they kind of have to say it, but they seem to be really excited, you know, like, hey, we actually could be in contention. So I don't know. I don't think the Patriots are coming back as strong as they used to be due to their recent changes. Buffalo certainly looks way better than they've looked in a long time. So can we actually? And, you know, then there's always the Dolphins. So I don't think the Jets are out of contention for a playoff spot. If if they play up to their potential with the changes they've made. Yeah, last year was a, a horror show and there have been long stretches, you know, many, many, many games in a row where you never get any wins. If the season even starts out with like two losses in a row, I know there's a lot of fans that are probably going to start 
you know, getting itchy, like, oh, no, here we go again, you know, and then the whole thing turns negative, and if it turns negative in the locker room, but I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I, I think they've they, they've got new, fresh blood in there, and it sounds like the environment's really positive, so if they come out and they can just leave it all on the field, uh, one of the players, I was just watching an interview last week, and I, I apologize, I don't remember who it was, but he described it as a, a case of there are always games every week that come down to one drive, you know, games that are decided, you know, by one scoring drive one way or the other. And the old jets just almost always seem to come up on, on the South end of that. But he's like, no, not this year. We, we can actually make sure that one key drive happens and we get it into the end zone and we're going to be the ones winning those games. And yeah, everybody's supposed to be optimistic and everybody's supposed to say positive things. I get it, but they, they sound really genuine. Like, they like what they're seeing from the inside. It's like, yeah, we're ready to get out there. And I want to believe that. I think we all want to believe that. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Last order of business, Jazz. One thing that people may not know about you if they don't follow you on Twitter and check out your work is that in addition to your job as weekend editor of hotair.com, you also know an incredible amount about UFOs. It's one of your big passions. And so when everything started seeping into the mainstream about UFOs, I was really curious to start reading more about it and hear your perspective. So I know this is going to be a tough question to answer in short form, and it's going to be very broad, but can you sort of explain what the latest developments have been with all of this and why all of a sudden former President Obama is talking about UFOs? Yeah, you're right. That's that's a lot to unpack in in short notice. Um, for the people who have, just don't follow it all and just think, oh, what are you talking about? Science fiction, you know. Uh, back in 2017, it, it, it was broken by the New York Times that the government had been running a secret UFO investigation program for ages, and it was called ATIP. Um, and the guy who ran it, Lou Elizondo, quit the Defense Department and went out and started talking to everybody with a microphone. Uh, after that, it started going mainstream. The Pentagon went and set up uh, a uh, group inside of the Pentagon encompassing all branches of service called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, the uh, UAP Task Force. And then last winter, when the National Intelligence Authorization Act was finally passed and signed, uh, some of the senators from the Senate Select Intelligence Committee slipped in some language into the Authorization Act, saying, we support the efforts of the UAP task force, but we are concerned that it doesn't look like it's very well organized and information isn't being passed around and made available to everybody that might need it. And so we'd like a report from you in 180 days, bringing us a classified report that is going to bring the applicable committees up to date on everything you've been finding with these UFOs and stuff. And we'd also like a unclassified report for the public so that they can get some sense of, of what's going on and what we can be transparent with. And they dropped that into that bill like a, just a turd in the punch bowl, you know. And the Pentagon was not wild about the idea whatsoever. But 180 days is up. And the general consensus for those who aren't going to follow it is the government has flatly admitted that there are – things flying around in our skies at times, sometimes in very sensitive airspace where our military is engaged, sometimes over some of our nuclear facilities. And 
98% of the stuff you see, you can identify, but they, there are things that they don't know what it is. It's not ours. They come and said, it's not ours. And they're pretty sure that it's not the Chinese or the Russians. So what does that leave? And nobody's going to say the word out loud, you know, but they're just like, well, it's unidentified and we're looking into it. So we'll see. So. That's that's basically it in a nutshell. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Now I figured we change things up a little bit and talk to Matt Patterson, who is a longtime BYU guy and also somebody who grew up a Cowboys fan, but has now jumped ship to become a Jets fan. And this is a wild story because how often do you see somebody who isn't a kid who basically gets talked into becoming a Jets fan, which is how most of us end up Jets fans, who willingly chooses the Jets as an adult that doesn't happen very much. So I wanted to hear his story. Matt, also a best-selling author, and I'm going to let him talk about that in a little bit too. Matt, first of all, welcome aboard to Jets fandom. And second of all, wow, like I said, you've got to be the only person I've ever talked to who willingly chose the Jets as an adult after switching from a team he'd been rooting for his entire life. Most of us get stuck with this by our fathers or mothers or uncles or something like that. Well, let's keep in mind, I was born and raised in Baltimore, so I'm an Orioles fan. So 
um, I guess I was stuck with the Orioles. But my dad, you know, I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and my dad is was born and raised in Texas. And when he got out of the Navy, uh, he settled in in Baltimore, got married, became a steel worker. And for as long as I could remember, um, he had uh, Dallas Cowboy Media Guides sent to him. I mean, as a little kid, I'm five and six years old, and I can still remember the Cowboy Media Guides with Don Meredith on the cover and Calvin Hill. And he would give them to me, and I would just go through them. I mean, taught myself how to read an NFL box score as a little kid. And, I mean, every Sunday it was it was the Cowboys, and the Cowboys were usually on either on the early game or, or the late game. And my dad is still alive. He's 88 and he doesn't even call Zach Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson. He calls him your boy. What do you hear about your boy? And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm 59 years old. So from about the time I was five or six, so about 50, low fifties, uh, 50 plus years. I, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'll, I'll still follow them because, I talked to my dad a couple times a week and, um, you know, you know, that's that one link we have is, is talking sports. And, um, I, I, I thought it was pretty easy switch. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really have to debate it too much. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a BYU guy. I graduated, uh, from BYU. Uh, back in the early to mid '80s, uh, I got a year of Jim McMahon. I got a year of Steve Young, and got a year of uh, the long forgotten uh, Robbie Bosco, which hmm. was quarterback of uh, the national title team back in '84. So I've I'm very much for for easily a decade. I was just very much entrenched in BYU, and I kind of lost interest in the NFL. And uh, once Zach. Uh, started doing well, and he was going to be a top pick in the draft. I, I became very, very interested, and when it looked and it appeared that Zach was going to go to the Jets, I go, "I'm all in." It's, you know, I'm I'm waiting now for my uh, my fake jerseys to come from China, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I, I'm all in. I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Uh, Jets Jets fans have been just great on social media welcoming and uh they're as perplexed as you are is like you actually chose this <laughs> and uh that you chose to be a jets fan uh they're some of them are kind of perplexed as why i would do that but I, I can't wait for camp to open up the only the only bad thing is you know i'm being originally from back east i wish i was back there so you know i could at least go to camp and I'm fortunate enough where my wife is a flight attendant and I fly for free. So I'm hoping to get back there uh, for a game uh, this season and try to make it an annual event. My wife likes New York. So I'll try to tie in a, a trip to, to the big city and, and also catch a Jets game as well. Well, Matt, I'll tell you what, if you do make it out here, let me know you got my info, hit me up. And I'll make sure that you get yourself some of the best pizza that you've ever tasted because I don't know how many episodes of the podcast that you've listened to. But in addition to football, this podcast is well known for its pizza takes. 
And so I have very strong pizza opinions, and I know a lot of really great pizza places, some in New Jersey, but really more in New York, because if we're being honest, New Jersey pizza is really good, but New York pizza is just seven levels above everything else. So I'll make sure that you get yourself the best pizza you can possibly get if you come out here. But I got to ask you, though, you do realize the history of this team, right? Like, that's why people are so surprised, because... It's been one gut punch after another over the last bunch of decades after that Super Bowl championship in January of 1969. Yeah, um, being from Baltimore, um, a lot of people that, hmm. that live back there still rue the day um, of losing to the Jets mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. But as I'm, when I graduated from BYU, I actually graduated in broadcast journalism. What I wanted to be was an ESPN anchor. And wanted to be a sports anchor, and so I follow I follow sports very very close. So I remember the Rich Cotite years, I you know the Mangini years, uh, even Rex Ryan. Uh, I, I will have to say the uh, Adam Gase uh, press conference uh, stare uh, <laughs> was was unique. So I'm, I remember Weeb Eubank. I, I remember Weeb Eubank uh, also used to be the coach of the Colts before going to the Jets and beating the Colts and Don Shula in the Super Bowl. So um, I, I, I can't say I, I don't have the in-depth knowledge. I remember Wesley Walker. I, I, I remember a lot about the Jets. Richard Todd, but also know a lot about, not a lot, but I've, I've followed in and I, for me, right now, I'm just trying to make myself smart as far as this year's team is concerned. I mean, Quinton Williams, you know, Mosley. I remember Mosley. I get enough of Baltimore sports from back home. And my sister's a big Ravens fan. So when he was with the Ravens, um, trying to figure out what the secondary is going to be like this year. Um, I, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Zach. But I, I'm serious. The, the draft that the Jets just had, I mean, I'm excited. I maybe maybe I'm naive. Uh, I actually I tried to go through the schedule, and I actually seeing them at least hovering around around 500. If anybody and everybody can stay healthy, I don't see why not. If not more, I mean, tough division. I get it. You got to play Buffalo twice. You gotta you gotta play the Dolphins twice. I, I'm not sold on the Dolphins, uh, at least offensively, anyway. Uh, the Patriots, not sold on the Patriots either. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but um, I'm all in. I, I, I'm all in, and I'm excited for what lies ahead. Um, I'm, ge- I'm getting in the twilight years of my life, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I get to celebrate a, a Super Bowl victory with you all uh, in the coming years for sure. We're all hoping for that, too. Believe me, it's been over 50 <laughs> years, so we would like to see a Super Bowl at Florham Park at some point. I got to ask you, Matt, as somebody who's a BYU guy, and as you said, you got a season of Steve Young, you got a season of Jim McMahon, you got a season of Robbie Bosco, not quite as good as those other two guys who won Super Bowls and Steve Young in the Hall of Fame, but... You've seen really good quarterback play at BYU over the years, up close and in person. I don't want to put the expectations too high with Zach Wilson because, again, Jim McMahon 
was an okay NFL quarterback, but still a Super Bowl winner. And obviously, Steve Young is the all-time gold standard in terms of BYU football. But how would you rank Zach Wilson in terms of quality of performances that you watched at BYU compared to some of the other quarterbacks that you watched? Bosco, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, and all the others. You know, what I liken, the first thing I think of when I liken Zach Wilson to a BYU quarterback is Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer struggled, not struggled, there was something there. You knew he had it as a freshman and as a sophomore, but he threw interceptions at the wrong time, um, kind of a gunslinger. Uh, and the progression that I, you know, obviously that Ty had, who wound up winning Heisman, and watching him pick apart a University of Miami team that, had, that was just loaded with NFL players, and to see Zach as a freshman, okay, he finished up the freshman year. He was perfect in the bowl game, 17 of 17, handful of touchdowns. Then the sophomore year, you know, he beats Tennessee on the road with a, you know, a last-minute last drive to send it into overtime. They win in overtime. And then the next week or the, the week after, they beat, they beat USC in Provo. And, but then the following week, hurts his hand and throws a pick and they lose to Toledo. So it's like you just scratch your head, and, you know, he was playing hurt at the end of the year in the bowl game against Hawaii. And so if, if Zach can stay healthy, I've just seen the progression where he's just progressively gotten better, and the thing is, the one thing about Zach that's different than, say, Ty, Zach hates being told that he's not good enough. And he wore the wristband in Provo, and it always said, prove them wrong. And he just hates, I've even heard an interview with uh, his offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, that basically said he, there was one day he came to practice and he was basically pretty ticked off. And he goes, what's the matter? And there's people thinking that I shouldn't even be the starter and just made him work all the more harder. And, you know, we're starting to see things on social media where he's, you know, throwing the ball on fairways because he doesn't have anywhere else to throw the ball. You know, families playing uh, table games, and there he is watching video. There they are at dinner. He's watching video. Um, everything that I've seen and heard of out here that you're beginning to hear uh, back east, it, it's true. He, he, his work ethic, his video consumption is true. It's legit. He's you know, if, if he doesn't succeed, knock on wood, uh, but it's not going to be for the lack of effort. And, uh, you know, we spoke prior to coming on how the media, you know, really didn't invest their time in really learning about Zach and how a lot of them spoke down on him. And I, I think, you know, they're going to be the ones that are <laughs> – not going to come back and say, well, yeah, I was wrong. They're going to say, wow, he's doing great. And I, I just think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a very special player. I, I would have chose him. I would have chose him over Trevor Lawrence. I mean, obviously maybe a little biased. I, I just don't see it happening down in Jacksonville. I think best thing that could have happened to Zach was going number two to the Jets. If talked to a lot of people out here, they would have waited for him to go to San Francisco. But a lot of people out here, because of Steve Young, love the 49ers. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, I, I think we as Jeff Manson, that's kind of hard for me to say, we as Jeff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm stoked. I wish we would have still had the old throwback uniforms. Um, I like the older uniforms, mm -hmm. the, the older jerseys. Uh, I would love to get a Wilson jersey of that. And, and that what's even weird about this, becoming a Jets fan, I have never, ever been a jersey guy. You know, number one, I'm 60. I'm almost 60. So I just don't wear jerseys. Here I am. I just ordered, what, two days ago, a BYU jersey of Wilson's and stitched nice Nike jersey of Wilson's from somewhere in China. And I've got the, the black stealth and the white uh, jersey coming as well. And my wife, <laughs> my wife goes, I guess you're really taking this serious. She, did, she thought it was just, oh, yeah, you know, you're following Zach and that's that. But she goes, I guess you're taking this kind of serious now, aren't you? And I go, I kind of am. And she's asked me how my father's taking it. And I just told her, like what I just mentioned earlier, oh, how's your boy doing? It doesn't even say Zach Wilson. He just said, your boy. Well, we'll see what ends up happening with Zach Wilson. But if nothing else, the Jets we fan won. base gained a quality person in Matt Patterson and a successful author as well. So before we run, Matt, I was really fascinated by your story, which I thought you told quite eloquently of how you ended up switching from the Dallas Cowboys to the New York Jets and your background being a BYU guy. But you're also a best-selling author, so I was curious about what you've written and if you could talk a little bit about it and just enlighten people about how they can get a copy of it too if they'd like to. My background, uh, when I graduated from BYU, uh, graduated in broadcast journalism, as I mentioned. My background's always been PR, marketing communications, corporate communications, writing. And um, my first daughter, my first daughter was born with Down syndrome. And this is nearly 34 years ago. And uh, my daughter, Emily, uh, was born again with Down syndrome and at age two diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, we we went into remission. We had a relapse, and unfortunately, Emily uh, passed away. And you know, all of us think our children are unique and special. And uh, Emily touched a lot of hearts, and especially those that cared for her, uh, especially in the hospital. Uh, given her uh, a diagnosis, not only with leukemia, but with because the, the, the Down syndrome, my, my wife and I were in our early 20s at the time and early to mid-20s. And so this was a complete and absolute blindside to us. And a lot of people would say, you know, when you kind of quickly relate the story, they would say, well, you know, the Down syndrome, that's one thing. And wow, the cancer, boy, she didn't really have much of a life. And, you know really tough and yeah it was tough but she's literally now you know 34 years later has touched hearts all over the world and it's a quick read uh, basically from Emily's birth to her passing and even beyond that uh, after her passing uh, I, I wrote it started off with actually a newspaper column I wrote about her on her on her birthday and was just kind of missing her. And then somebody said, Oh, you should write a book. 
And now with the advent of self-publishing over the last decade or so, uh, I published it. It came out at the same time the, the advent of the Kindle was becoming it was becoming popular. It was it was really gaining a lot of traction and when it came out it it just kind of exploded and I I like to read. Uh my my favorite author is actually a sports writer who also wrote books and that was Mitch Album. Uh who for some of you who may know he was he's written a handful of books and one of them is Tuesdays with Maury, which is one of my favorite all time books. And the day that I went to Amazon. I'd always check where the book was sitting. And the day that my Emily was sitting at number one and Tuesdays with Maury was sitting at number two in the inspiration and spirituality category um, made me feel very proud. Uh, just as not just a writer, but as a father. And it may, that meant to me that Emily's story was touching not only it was in the hands of a lot of people, but also in the hearts of a lot of people. And it's been received uh, very well over the last couple of years, though I've, you know, for nearly a dozen years, I, I went out and spoke to organizations and groups, mostly geared towards those with families with special needs children, specifically Down syndrome, as well as families who have children who are battling or have battled pediatric cancers or couples and families who have lost children. And, and at once the COVID hit and I just, I felt it was time to step away. I no longer really market the books. I, I have a second book, which is actually geared towards going to organizations and speaking to organizations to help individuals who are going through an issue such as maybe the birth of a child that may have issues or a child who has who has died or who is fighting cancer and how organizations can help that individual not only help that team member but also still be successful as an organization at the same time and that's called we've got this but you can you can find me on amazon it's still there <laughs> <laughs> and um you just look up my name or you can search uh, my Emily with my name and you'll find it somewhere on there. Same thing with we've got this or just search my name, Matt Patterson, and uh, you should be able you should be able to find it. If not, um, you can find me on Twitter. It's hey, Matt Pat. <laughs> you get you could DM me and I'll, I'll send you the link. But uh, uh, the last couple of years, I, I stepped away from it and um uh, I miss it. There are days I miss meeting the families and the children. And there are times I go and uh, drop off paperbacks to help raise money for organizations. But um, from the speaking standpoint and full-fledged marketing a book all the time, I've, I've stepped away from that. And now uh, I just, I assist, uh, I assist veterans here in Utah, uh, especially those who uh, perhaps have disabilities. Uh, I, I assist them in finding employment and work for the state of Utah. And I'm a veteran, having served in the Air Force. Um, it, it's a great opportunity to meet individuals who, who need help. Uh, and so I've, I've been pretty fortunate to, to lead a full life, everything from sports anchor to a book writer to a speaker to now helping veterans find work. I've, I've been pretty blessed in that regard. 
a quality person and now a member of the Jets fan family, Matt Patterson. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter. Check out the books that he's written and welcome him in as a Jets fan. Give him a follow and chat some Jets football with him. And yeah, I'm sure he'd like to talk about Zach Wilson with you too. So go ahead and find him on Twitter and have a little chat with him. And also make sure that you're following everything that we're doing over at playlikeajet.com. Some great articles up there and some fantastic videos over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, including the guy that we talked about a lot today, Zach Wilson. We've got videos of him courtesy of our man Luke Grant. And, of course, you can catch Luke and Clayton every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on Play Like a Jet Live in conjunction with U Stadium. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes for the podcast yet, if you can go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.